our expectations uh, for those that are in the church is, is really different. It's a higher expectation, right? Mm-hmm. We're expecting those to be in the church um, to act like Christ and to have Christ-like character. And when that doesn't happen, when we see someone acting in the flesh or making a comment that is hurtful or that is perceived that way, it does a lot of damage because it, it shatters our ideas of what church, uh, church people ought to be like. I had fully expected to be out, you know, put out or, you know, um, I was expecting that church hurt. Christians fail, and this is a fact that we fail. And so we need to separate, and we need to try to help others to understand the difference between the failure of man and the love of God. Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Welcome. Thanks for joining us again at Patterns of Truth podcast. I'm Peter your host for today, and this episode is the second installment of our short series called Be a Witness, and we'll be dealing with the topic of church hurt. As always, uh, we want to take a second look at what we think we know about Christian life and see what the Bible actually says. The point really is to better navigate and find a pattern for the reason why we live our lives before God. Uh, So today uh, I'm joined with Krista um, and she will help me as we uh, discuss this topic with uh, uh, our friend and brother, Tim Hadley. Uh, So brother Tim, welcome. Thank you, good to be with you. Uh, Brother Tim, could you tell us a little bit about yourself for our audience if nobody knows you or What's your hobbies and how many kids do you have? And are you married? <laughs> sure, sure. Yes, I'm uh, married to my wife, Shelly. We've been married for uh, almost 26 years. And uh, we have four children. They're all grown and adults. Uh, one of them uh, is married and the other three are busy working. And And uh, we have been uh, serving the Lord uh, full time uh since uh, 1983 and uh, uh as far as hobbies uh i uh, used to coach basketball for 15 years and so that was a big hobby of mine uh, i did that on the side and and um yeah, i still enjoy being around young people and helping where i can and and uh pretty much uh that takes a, a great deal of my time wonderful thank you brother tim all right, uh, off to this topic. So how? Uh, let's start with how how did we define church hurt? So let's take you know a couple minutes and, uh, um, brother Tim, what what does uh, you know? How do you define church hurt for you? What's your experience there? Yeah, I I think back at a couple of uh, incidences in my own life 
um, going all the way back to my childhood when um, we showed up and uh, to a church and uh, we we weren't accepted. We, uh, my cousin that was with us, uh, what didn't have that look that I guess he, they were expecting him to have, and uh, and so the hurt that when when one acts in the flesh and in this case it was religious flesh and not in the spirit of god uh a lot of damage was done and damage can be done um that has a lasting impact on people and and i think we need to make sure that in in the church that uh we are really acting in the spirit and not in the flesh so in this case it was judgmental Mm. Uh, comments regarding yeah. the way you or you know your friend or your relative looked yeah how about you krista uh what what does uh church hurt means to you oh man church hurt is i think it can be so many different things um i definitely relate to the judgmental aspect of it um thinking of experiences I've had and um, just conversations with other people. But I also think when we're being hypocritical, when we're acting in one way and not being a reflection of Christ, that can cause hurt. Also, maybe definitely responding or approaching somebody in the flesh because you feel like you are justified in what you're doing. And maybe it's not um, the way the Lord would have you approach the subject. I think that can cause um, church hurt. And and so there's so many different things that I think could be hurtful depending on the person that you're dealing with. Mm. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, it can be sometimes uh, perceived, uh, sometimes actual, Heard from the church, but he, both of them can be dangerous and uh, can repel unbelievers away from us. So uh, we know that the church, when we say church hurt, the church uh, is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not a building, but it's a, a group of believers. Uh, but we are all group of people who are still fallen and prone to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so in general, people will disappoint us, uh, if they're believers or unbelievers, um, and we will be hurt, um, even if they're believers. So what makes this type of pain unique than any other type of hurt, uh, we may experience as Christians? I, I think that, uh, one, one of the reasons is because, uh, our expectations uh, for those that are in the church is is really different. It's a higher expectation, right? Mm-hmm. We're expecting those to be in the church um, to act like Christ and to have Christ-like character. And when that doesn't happen, when we see someone acting in the flesh or making a comment that is hurtful or that is perceived that way, um, then it does a lot of damage because um, it, it shatters our ideas of what church uh, church people ought to be like, right? Right. Um, what believers are ought to be like. They're to be those that demonstrate and and display the love of Christ. 
And when we don't see that, then um, our expectations are, are shattered. Christy, you want to add anything else? Um, I, that was the first thing that popped in my head too, was the expectations. But also I think so many people want to say that believers are to be kind and loving and accepting of everything. Um, and so when we're not, when we are um, not necessarily unkind, but maybe come across strongly in our response or um, in a way that seems unloving, like it's perceived that way, like we don't maybe agree with somebody's point of view or something, then it becomes like, oh, well, you're not acting very Christ-like. And it's like, okay to have a difference of opinion, you know, but but it's that perceived thing that causes hurt. And, I, and I'm thinking of like things that I've experienced in my life with people that were close to me that have responded in a way that I mm. wasn't expecting. And so I was very hurt, even though they weren't necessarily doing anything on Christ-like. It was just not what I was expecting from them. And at the same time, just to add is there's, also a standard for another expectation of forgiving someone who you know faults us as believers and if we don't forgive um people would you know have different expectation that this shouldn't happen um and it might be yeah there might be a shortcoming from us as believers at this point too um so how how do we heal uh, from church hurt um, as, you know, believers. Let's talk about believers first, but we, we're going to get to the uh, people who are not believers because um, that's the gist of the topic. Uh, what are some practical steps, uh, Brother Tim? If we can add some scripture, that would be wonderful because we don't want to discuss it without looking at God's word and mm -hmm. um, seeing what, what it says. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that because I think the um, the best thing in anything is to follow the manual that we've been given, right? And the manual is the Word of God. So um, I was thinking of um, in Matthew chapter 18, it says, if a brother sins against you, so if another Christian has done something that has hurt you, whether it be verbal or whether it be physical, whether it be uh, something that you even perceive, um, that it says you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So there's this private confrontation that is to take place, right? You, you go to your brother, you speak with him, and it's not that you speak to him in anger, but you, you confront him, you let him be made aware of what has the, the hurt that you feel. I think this is very, rather than trying to sweep it under the carpet, there's this manner of confrontation. And confrontation doesn't have to be bad. It, it It's biblical, and it's something that we need to do. And if he hears you, it says, it goes on to say there, the end of verse 15, if he hears you, then you've gained your brother. In other words, the relationship can be enjoyed and, and restored. So I think this is a first place to start, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if if my brother doesn't listen to me, 
um, what should I do? <laughs> I, I would say that the same passage of scripture gives us step two, right? It, it goes on to say that uh, if he will not hear you, and that's what you just said, if he, if he doesn't want to listen, or if he says, well, you, you took it all the wrong way. And, uh, and he says, that's not how I meant it. And, and, and he just sets the whole issue aside and doesn't apologize or doesn't make it right. What are you to do? And, and um, if it's not something that you can forgive, uh, and I think that's the key, the, the higher way you're going is to forgive. But if it's something that's deep-seated and, and you're not able to forgive him and you're not able to leave it with the Lord, then I think the second step is you take one or two, uh, one or two more uh, that might be witnesses because we're two or, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And, and so that's step two is that you bring someone in to help mediate the situation to help be able to, to bring this difficulty to a head, right? Right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm hearing is that, um, so we won't take anything out of context that in, in this passage, the Lord is trying to explain that you try to do whatever it takes to resolve the problem with your brother. It's not steps that we should take one, two, and three. And then after that, you go to the court. No, no, it's uh, trying your best and praying uh, to resolve this issue with your brother. Uh, and like you said, Brother Tim, you know, the higher calling is to forgive. Amen. The higher calling is to forgive. I think that sometimes people think that if we do forgive, that we're allowing whatever hurt you know, or we're accepting of it or, you know, makes it okay, you know, and I think forgiveness is, is such a big thing because, you know, like, I just think of the fact that the Lord has forgiven me for the hurt that I did, you know, the sins that I did towards him. And, and so I need to forgive, but that also, I would proceed with caution, you know, in moving forward, maybe with that person, um, doesn't mean I have to forget, but I was looking at um, Proverbs 17, 9. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And so if you don't forgive, it causes a divide, which affects the body of Christ as well. Not just you yourself, but it can cause division in, in, in where you're fellowshipping. And I've seen it happen, you know, so forgiveness is so vital because he calls us to forgive. Mm-hmm. I think you make a, a an excellent point, and that is that um, what we're saying is is that we we are not trying to uh, pretend like it doesn't like the hurt didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Right. we're right. dealing with the hurt mm-hmm. um, because the hurt is real; it's genuine, and you can't pretend like it's not there. Right. But at the same time, uh, if you're able to forgive, you're that's the more excellent way. In 1 right. Corinthians 13, it talks about love being the more mm-hmm. excellent way. Right. I will show you a more excellent way. And mm-hmm. certainly when we forgive, someone has said that we're never more like God than when we forgive mm-hmm. one another. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think this is really what the crux of what we're we're saying. Yeah, I think um, we have to hurt because that's part of the healing process. You know, allowing ourselves a moment to hurt, but not when you like let it fester and it consumes you and you don't move forward in forgiveness. I think that's when you become bitter and, you know, relationships in your life and relation, your relationship with the Lord, it suffers. Mm. Mm. I just want to add one more thing, but we need to move on. I, I remember this story, uh, one of my best biographies, my favorite biographies about uh, Rose Darlene Darbler. And um, she was uh, in prison concentration camp and the Japanese um, officer told her that her husband died. And in the point where she was most hurt, she forgave. And she told her officer, I forgive you because the Lord Jesus forgave you. And through her, he became a believer. It's an amazing story. I mean, I cannot believe it, but uh, uh, it's true because uh, uh, the Lord can do this. And uh, like you said, Brother Tim, is when you forgive, you're more like Christ. And this is the point where we can be truly witnesses. Yeah. When you're hurt and, you know, forgive, forgive, even though you know that you're hurt and the people, the person in front of you know that you're hurt. Yeah. Mm. Let's uh, move into uh, uh, the difficult, I think the most difficult question here is how do we talk and witness to people who have been experienced hurt, real or perceived in a church environment or, um, you know, maybe uh, now reject the Lord so they left uh, the, the circle of the Christian group and they're, they're far away. How would you handle, how would you, how would you talk or witness to people? I, I think that's excellent uh, question. And, and I think that, um, number one, I, I think that what, what always is needful is to be genuine, right? Mm. Um, to be real, to um, not to try to, pretend to be something that we're not mm -hmm. and at the same time um to admit you know there's failure i i think that if um we act as those that um are perfect then everyone knows that's not true mm -hmm. and and so i think that uh, when we acknowledge the failure that has been there um that there is failure amongst the lord's people because we are people and we're still in this scene and uh, we still have that that old man still likes to try to raise his head up. And so Christians fail. Yeah. And this is a fact that we fail. And so we need to separate and we need to try to help others to understand the difference between the failure of man and the love of God yeah. and the character of God, who God is. And the best way to display character is just that, by displaying it. Right. And so when I'm genuine and I listen to you, you may not be a believer, but I'm listening to you. I'm listening to the pain that's coming across. I identify, you know what, There's, there has been failure. I'm mm -hmm. not going to try to um, try to cover up failure. I'm going to admit that there has been failure. And all I can tell you is that um, I want to identify with you. 
I want to identify with your pain, with your hurt. And listen. I think listening to where someone's coming from is very, very important. Proverbs 18 would tell us that if we judge a matter before we hear both sides, it's to our folly. And so I think this is very important to listen and to be ears, to be Christ's ears to the world that is unsaved and to be Christ's heart, to empathize with them in their situation and in their pain and to be open to receive them uh, just as they are, because that's how God has received me. Absolutely. I have a couple of questions, but, you know, first, yes, this is uh, a great um, start, but um, what would you say to someone who would say, "I, I don't want to be like you, like Krista brought this term hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or you know, you're some something on on Sunday and something else the, the rest of the week. How would we resolve that with an unbeliever? Now we know that we fault, and uh, but there's something in us, you know, that I cannot deny it. Um, that I have um, the Lord Jesus. Uh, change my life uh, and I'm not talking about just merits and um, good behavior um, there's something more important than that that I want the, the unbeliever to see but they don't see it at the moment so I, yeah I just I don't have an answer when someone asks me this question uh, so could you help guide me with this <laughs> I, I I it's a it's a very um tough question to try to answer because it's it's a genuine problem and um, so many have experienced it right and so when we when we think about it I, I think that one of the things sometimes it's it's um to answer this question it's it's better if we display the love of Christ instead of trying to answer uh, sometimes in certain mm, situations, yeah. our talk speaks a lot louder. Um, our, I mean, our actions speak a lot right. louder than right. what we say. Right. And, right. and uh, so I think this is really important. And it comes back to something we said earlier, Peter, and, and that is that um, whether we're acting in the flesh or acting in the spirit. And when we consider what acting in the spirit is, um, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what needs to be displayed to our unsaved friends, those that have not met Christ yet. Um, we are Christ to them. They may never, never know another Christ except what they see in us. Mm -hmm. And so how important it is that we display the fruit of the Spirit. I, I, I think of people at work with me um, that they become more open, uh, not because something I would say, but because of my action uh, and uh, the way I act. So I think if you give some time, they can see there's a difference. Yes. Um, they can see that this is not a consistent problem or consistent um, 
action or habit that a believer has, but uh, it might be just uh, um, an honest mistake or um, so, something that, you know, happened, but um, the person, you know, asked for forgiveness and, uh, and you know, people can move on. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that in cases like those, cause I've had, conversations with people you know within the last five years in in that regard and I think for, we need to be transparent you know like um Tim was saying we have to you know acknowledge that there is fault in maybe how that person treated them you know we can't solve their problem we can't fix things because we're not them with the person who caused the hurt we can't undo that but we have what we can do is we can just love on them you know, we have to love on them. And, you know, like, like Tim said, we have to meet them where they are and we have to be real and genuine. And, you know, like I've always told people like, Hey, I'm the last person that's going to cast judgment on you. You know, I am nobody to judge you. I, I, you just have to be honest. And I think that was something like in my younger years that I was lacking was knowing how to be transparent and not put up a front that, oh, no, Christians aren't like that. You know, there's no way the church could do that because we're not supposed to be that way, but we do, you know, and I think that was as I grew older, I learned that um, the value in, in being just honest and, and sincere in, in the way you live your life and the way you, you know, your relationship with Jesus and, you know, maybe, you know, you know, I saw something today was like, Jesus sat with sinners, but he didn't sin with them, you know, like, like, you're gonna, you're not going to reach them by trying to act like you're better. Because, you know, ultimately, you have something that they need, and showing them that is the only way that they're going to listen, that they're going to want to know more. Krista, you bring a good point, and it's still difficult for me. How do you reconcile between not being judgmental, but at the same time not compromising the truth uh, right. when someone comes? Um, any thoughts, Brother Tim? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Krista was on a, a uh, really on the right track because I, I think that... Um, one thing that is often missing in the church today amongst Christians is a manner of humility. We come across not Prideful. humble. Yeah. We come across like uh, we, we don't than. want to be transparent. We don't want to show, you know what, we, we don't have it all together all the time. Right. And, right. and that, that comes over to people. They see that. And, and yet, the one who always did have it together, the Lord Jesus, he was the most humble in okay. this scene. He humbled himself and in every aspect of his life. And, and just one example, um, just to, to bring to our memory, the time when a woman was caught in the very act of adultery mm-hmm. and they brought her to the Lord Jesus. And what did he do? Now, we know that he stooped down and, and he wrote in the ground what he wrote. We don't know. I'm not going to go there because we have no idea what he wrote. Right. But, but what did he do? He 
said, uh, when he said, you who are without this sin, cast the first stone. If, if you've never sinned, cast the first stone. And what did they do? They all left. Starting with the oldest to the youngest, they all left. And the Lord Jesus was there, left with the woman. And he says, where are your accusers? Are there none that accuse you? And she said, no. Mm-hmm. And he said, then neither do I accuse you. There was no judgment. Yep. Now, he was holy. And yet he said, go and sin no more to her. So he didn't skirt the issue of sin. He mm-hmm. dealt with the sin. Yeah. But he loved the sinner. Sure. And I think yeah. that's a beautiful example. That's a beautiful picture. What Krista yeah. was saying yeah. that we need to do. All right. Wonderful. I think we're at the end of our episode here, but why not just leave just the last um, verse or a comment from both you and Krista, Brother Tim, um, before we end. Uh, Any thoughts before we end for our audience? One thing comes to my mind in 3 John, Mm -hmm. there was a man who was, his name was Diotrephes. And he was a man that loved to have the preeminent place. So he wanted to be the man, you know, that everybody looked to, right? He wanted to have the preeminent place. That word preeminent place is only used, the word preeminent is only used one other time in scripture. And it's that in all things, Christ might have the preeminent place. So whenever we try to have that preeminent place, we take Christ's place. But what what did he do? He was trying he mistreated the people of God. And there was a man named Gaius who was there in that church. And what we find there very quickly is that John, the apostle, doesn't tell Gaius, why don't you just leave, pack up and go? No, he says, I'll deal with him when I come. What, and how does that apply to our subject? Is It, it isn't that we leave the church or that we leave mm. the Christian company, but we, we leave that with the Lord. We leave the problem with the Lord yeah. and we move on with the Lord. And I think this is so important for us. Um, and if we can, if we can just underline one more time, the importance of forgiveness, mm-hmm. the importance of forgiveness when I'm hurt and, and we all have been there. But when I'm hurt, if I can forgive, even as I've been forgiven myself, uh, there's there's so many scriptures that would remind us of this. Right. And it's so vital in my life. It's definitely not easy. Forgiveness is not easy. And nobody here is saying it is. But it's so important because I think we cannot move forward ourselves until we forgive. You know, we'll be constantly stuck. And I think I think one last thing that I think of as far as in my personal life, you know, I made a choice that was very hurtful to people in the in the church. And um, I was afraid to admit that I had failed because I was afraid of the condemnation. But I knew I needed the help of the church and, and the sisters that were in my life. And I remember being at church and then praying with me about this decision that I had made. And in my prayer, like during throughout the course of prayer, there was like probably about four or five ladies that were with me at this time that I had spoken with. And 
throughout the course of prayer, more and more voices were praying. And I opened my eyes. I shouldn't have, but I did. And my little group of like four or five people had grown to like 20. And each one of them prayed over me. They came alongside me Mm. and walked that journey with me when I had fully expected to be out, you know, put out or, you know, um, I was expecting that church hurt, you know, and it didn't come. And, and the Lord was, he used that so beautifully in my life. And so I think for us that have been hurt and um, those of us that are in the church and are trying to minister to those who have been hurt, whether they are believers or unbelievers, we need to come and walk alongside of them, hmm. lifting them in, yeah. in prayer, either with them or, yeah. yes, either with them or, you know, in our own prayer time, but they definitely, it's important for us to walk alongside them. Amen. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, Brother Tim. And to all our listeners, uh, we hope that this discussion made you think, gave you some answers, and maybe piqued your interest so you dig deeper into this topic, into the Word of God. Ultimately, our goal is to start conversations, to stimulate curiosity and engage our critical thinking. And what's the point for all of that is to grow closer to the Lord. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.